This is a Diet of Brussels. What's the European's pillar of social rights? This is a, a question that comes from Annika Ringbeck, who's based in Brussels, uh, who works on uh, these kind of issues, and who asks if I could talk a bit about uh, the pillar, which is an idea that comes from uh, the Commission, uh, and also the uh, balancing of social and economic policies. Now, uh, this is something which is probably unfamiliar to many uh, British listeners. Um, it might be unfamiliar to actually uh, listeners in other countries too. But uh, Juncker, who uh, gave a, an address back in September uh, last year, uh, stated his intention to introduce uh, a set of proposals around uh, social rights um, to help build up a uh, European labour market. Now this was kind of seen primarily in the context uh, of the Eurozone uh, but also being open to uh, other parts of uh, the Union. Now the idea here would be to, to create some kind of uh, standard document, a core document that sets out the, uh, the social rights uh, that are available to workers to help consolidate and protect uh, them in the face of uh, trying to uh, develop a, a more integrated market. Now. Um, these are all things which are, at one level, relatively unproblematic, that they are the kinds of things which have been uh, elaborated in other places, whether that's uh, in national documents, in European documents, in the Charter of Fundamental Rights to a certain extent, internationally, uh, particularly in relation to the uh, International Labour Organization. But the idea here was trying to have something that was much more focused on uh, the social uh, aspects of what uh, might happen and that this would help uh, protect workers but also to uh, help strengthen the labour market in the Eurozone to help promote uh, cross-border movements uh, and make sure that workers were not being uh, compromised uh, as they uh, benefited from the market integration that was taking place. Now. Uh, at the moment, this is something which is uh, in consultation. Uh, there are uh, proposals that have come out uh, in the past week which talk about uh, how this is uh, uh, going to be put into effect. And uh, again, you know, f uh, the risk of trying to squash uh, uh, a Daily Mail type uh, thing of here's a secret plan to take over the world. Uh, these are proposals which are publicly made, which will go through the usual consultative process uh, and the legal process before they uh, come into any kind of effect. So this isn't something that isn't going isn't to come uh, very quickly. Uh, it's going to be something which will be uh, negotiated and discussed uh, as we go along. Now, I think uh, Annika's question really is, uh, I think, the more important one. That it, it exposes one of the, the, the tensions within European integration that whilst it might start from trying to promote market integration and think about sort of narrow economic factors, very quickly we end up thinking about social uh, aspects and other aspects uh, of integration, that in trying to integrate markets, we create social effects. And uh, in so doing, 
we then start to get into questions which become more political in what we do. You know, the, the Eurozone is a good example of that, that at one level that is a technical uh, project about uh, economic integration, about removing a barrier uh, of different currencies, but clearly it has massive uh, political and social impacts as a result of that. Uh, you know, we've seen that in Greece, we see that uh, in Germany, we see it uh, across the Eurozone, we see it outside the Eurozone here in the UK as well. Now, uh, what uh, that means is uh, very much that uh, whilst uh, we need to have uh, an awareness of the economic aspects, I think we also need to make sure that we keep the, uh, uh, the political and the social aspects as well. Now, you can see this in different ways. On the one hand, you can see this in a positive way of saying, well, it's good that there is a consideration of social protection, of workers' rights protection at the European level, that this isn't purely about big business uh, trying to uh, impose themselves and override the constraints uh, imposed on them at the national level. But looks around the other way, again, you can see the potential that the, the more sensitive the issues that we uh, consider at the European level, uh, the greater the question about, well, is this a competent level to be making those kind of decisions? How can we aggregate those kind of questions, which are very often constructed in a national way, at a European uh, level? I think in this case, you know, you can make the argument that actually workers' rights, human rights, uh, uh, kind of gamut of fundamental rights that have been developed is something which is a, an international process uh, and goes beyond the European level. Uh, and again, then, the question is, well, on the one hand, uh, is uh, it sensible to create another document that repeats, in effect, what is already present in national and in, in international documentation? Um, but, uh, you know, if you think it's important uh, that these things are there, then you might also want to make sure that uh, that's made more explicit. So I think this is something which is going to develop uh, over uh, the next few years. Well, it is going to develop over the next few years. Uh, but it's, again, something that uh, highlights some of the broader dynamics that we face. <laughs>